Welcome back, everybody, to the Be Kind Rewind Show. The show where we uh, take a look at the silver linings of the silver screen. I've got a stacked, stacked show for you today. My guests to my right, Mr. Kenny Waite. Say hello, Kenny Waite. Hello. Kenny Waite here is a, is a comedian in town, and he's also researching the legality of loot boxes. Yeah, that's boring and fun. That is not a boring and fun. That sounds great. Yeah, no, I'm six foot, 260 pounds, not single. Oh, newsflash. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. You should. <laughs> I know that now. And then across the table from Mr. Kenny Waite is the lovely Miss Heather Harrington. Hey, everybody. Hey, Heather Harrington was a member of Boise's Funniest People 2016. She is a comedian locally here in Boise, Idaho, and she is a wine enthusiast. <laughs> So enthusiastic. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> She's jumping out of her seat about that. And then with us today is Mr. Liam Tane, cinematographer, photographer. He's worked on several different films, uh, such as uh, Doctor Who's Velocity, Killing Tom. The list goes on and on. Mr. Liam, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. All right. And of course, with us on the boards is Mr. Brett Batterstein. Say hello or nod knowingly. Hello. 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 <laughs> And of course, I'm your host, Joey. Today, we are talking about something that uh, when I was writing the list for this show, this is one of the number one movies that I wanted to do. And we were talking about the 1994 cinematic turn of The Flintstones, directed by Brian Levent, uh, produced by Mr. Steven Spielberg, The Flintstones. And we're also going to talk about the sequel. Uh, it's criminally under acknowledged uh, sequel the flintstones in viva rock vegas flintstones guys what do you guys want to say about flintstones it's a movie kenny's just gonna stare at me <laughs> i am your right hand man <laughs> i keep you in line no I, I was six when it came out it was one of the first movies i ever saw or that i remember seeing because i'm pretty sure knowing the degenerate parents that I had, they brought a baby to the movie theater many a times. <laughs> uh, but no, I uh, I definitely remember this one. Uh, I remember because I finally found a character on screen that I really saw myself in, and that was Bam Bam. <laughs> I only say two words till the end of the movie, and then just like hitting things. So. Bam Bam was actually a really unique take they took on that character for this movie, and we're going to get into that. Uh, Miss Heather, what was your initial reactions to the Flintstones movie? Well, I saw it when I was a kid, too, so I'm still, like, thinking of it through the haze of nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I wasn't allowed to watch many movies because I grew up Mormon. Okay. <laughs> so this was one of a few. That, I was going to say Flintstones yeah. would probably be like, of course. Yeah, of course. Let's yeah. watch this. This My Little Pony, like, you know, a couple other ones. So, nice. <laughs> you know, Disney and stuff, too. But um, I did go to... Um, uh, Universal Studios when I was a kid around the time right Fever Rock Vegas came out I think okay and they did like a live like oh crap it's a like flash mob before flash mobs were a thing yeah of like the show mm -hmm. and I remember thinking oh my gosh these poor people that have to do this <laughs> so pity yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. It's pity yeah oh that's but sad. they they you know dance their hearts out God bless them, you know. <laughs> hundred degree California heat. Yeah. <laughs> wearing wearing fur outfits. Yeah. Usually. And you could see the shame in their eyes, even though they were smiling. But <laughs> it's what you it see when like, you see yeah. it to a theme park. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I do remember liking it as a kid, yeah. even though, like, I as I grew up, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good movie anymore. So. But kids like it. It's my point. It's, all right, yeah. cool. That's all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> kids like it. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Lane, what, what are your what were your initial thoughts when the Flintstones movie came rushed to your head? So this movie came out a few days before my thirteenth birthday, and I went to see it for my birthday. And I remember thinking that it was great because not only did I grow up on the Flintstones as a cartoon. It was a live-action version of a cartoon, and I had never really heard of that. I mean, there was the Ninja Turtles, of course, and yeah. that was fantastic, but mm -hmm. those were dudes in suits, right? This Correct. was real people playing these characters. I was mm -hmm. like, this is going to be amazing. And then I went to see the film, and I was like, that's not amazing. <laughs> and it's, you know, as a 13-year-old, to have that kind of disappointment, and, and it's looking back on it and having watched it more recently, it's really interesting to think 
why was I so disappointed on this as a kid? Probably because I wasn't old enough to appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. watching it now, especially as a filmmaker, I can see a lot of positive things in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, like there's a lot of great shots in the film. There's a lot of the sets are amazing. Yes, absolutely. Like they are just hands down, and the prop work and the dedication these people put into this film. Mm-hmm was fantastic but when I was a kid I couldn't appreciate that because you know as a kid what the hell did I know so <laughs> you actually uh, hit the nail on the head uh, initially is yeah the investment I mean obviously these are highly paid actors but not once in that entire movie do they let it go like this movie is it's pretty absurd but uh, the the cast you know John Goodman Rick Moranis uh, Elizabeth Perkins uh, Rosie O'Donnell they they owned those roles. Yeah. I think that's one of the standout features of this movie is that John Goodman was Fred Flintstone. You can't look at him as like, yeah, that guy is not just exactly what that cartoon character would look like. And that's kind of why uh, when Steve, Steven Spielberg was working on the movie Always with John Goodman, he was he kept telling him, we're going to make Fred, the Flintstones and you're going to be Fred Flintstone. During the process, he wasn't even the the first choice. That's just what Steven Spielberg wanted. But, of course, the studios were wanting other people. And I think Steven Spielberg forgot that he was Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What Steven Spielberg wants, Steven Spielberg gets. Correct. Uh, I was looking at the list of the people that uh, was in line to play this. And John Candy was one of the first ones that that they wanted to play as well. Unfortunately, he passed. Yeah. both, like both physically and metaphysically, yeah. he passed. Uh, and then Belushi, who um, at one point was tied into it before he died. And then, I mean, they went through all of the SNL guys, Aykroyd, Murray, and Chase. All of those guys were, they wanted to play Fred Flintstone. And those dudes were all too skinny. Like, I don't, I can't see Chevy Chase putting that on a fat suit weird. to play Fred Flintstone. Yeah. Yeah. Today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, today, yeah, today. For sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, Barney's supposed to be a short dude, but this is one of those scenarios no. where we got to pull in the apple boxes because yeah, gotta... you, you throw Chevy Chase in there with Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then with uh, Rick Moranis, not be, he wasn't even the first pick either for Barney. The first pick they wanted was uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, that Danny what? DeVito. Okay. And to his credit, Danny DeVito was the one that said, you know, maybe I'm not the best guy to, for this role. <laughs> Sadly, he said that. I think. Uh, yeah. Can uh, we uh, reboot this film with Chevy Chase and Danny DeVito? <laughs> like that would, well, there's, oh, that'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, like today. Don't <laughs> de-age them at all. Just, yeah. <laughs> in fact, yeah, don't, don't, dark the, don't darken their hair. Nothing. Yeah, just, it's just, an aged uh, uh, Fred and Barney. That would be fantastic. <laughs> So then it was DeVito that said, you know, maybe, you know, somebody like uh, Rick Moranis would be a good choice for this. And I think that the, the casting of Moranis and and John Goodman is spot on. I think that they both of those guys, even in the film, they have some pretty good chemistry. They, they, they're both, I mean, the heights, the, the, the voices, the look is just perfect. Uh, Elizabeth Perkins uh, played Wilma. Um, she hasn't really done much since this movie. Um, I, I feel bad. I haven't really researched. I know that she has done a lot, but there's nothing jumping out. You think of Elizabeth Perkins, like weeds. Most weeds. Uh-huh. Thank oh, yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> was she on weeds? Was she? Yeah. Celia. Celia has. Oh well, there we go. Weeds. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> so I mean, so she was on weeds. So we, we all know there and else appreciate to do on after there. the Flintstones. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Why even bother? <laughs> um, and, and then this, the sad part I think is that. The best casting, though, is Rosie O'Donnell. And I'm going to die on this yeah. hill. But I think Rosie O'Donnell was the best casting. She looked at the part. She spoke the part. She owned the role. The only problem was is that, yeah, everybody looked at her and said, yeah, she was way too heavy for that role. But, you know, I say F you in that respect because it it was still just way too perfect. I think that she she couldn't – she brought the le- level of brevity to, 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 um, to Betty Rubble that I think was, was great. What are your thoughts on Rosie O'Donnell being a lot more polarizing now than she was in the early sure. 90s? But... Sure, but she she was committed. Yeah, they, it was great. Played, they were all committed. Her heart out, yeah. Yeah, they were all committed to their roles. Um, I, I, I think that uh, she did a fantastic job. It's really funny that the, the career that Rosie O'Donnell had going, you know, when you look back to the, to the early 90s, the career that she had going, she did this movie. She did a movie called Exit to Eden. Have you guys ever seen Exit to Eden? I don't think I have. 
she her she's in this movie with uh, Dan Aykroyd, and you will you will not believe me, but they go for they are uh, I want to say they're police inspectors or like they're not, they're undercover, and they go to an S and M bondage retreat. I have yeah. seen that. Yep. <laughs> yes. So she's in straight up bondage. Yes. Get out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. It's like you got to remember though. This was early, early, early nineties. Now I will go on record that. That was for uh, in '94. I was 14. Was, yep, that works. And I'll be honest, <laughs> it works for me. Yep, thank you very much. Um, no, I, yeah, I remember that now because yeah. I'm, I'm terrible with titles. Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, filmmaker doesn't know the names of movies. You know, get him out of here. No, I'm mm-hmm. terrible with titles. But now that you say that, yep. I have seen it. Yeah, like multiple times. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty good movie. Um, if this show goes on for season after season after season, we, I could definitely see a, a exit to Eden movie for right. episode for that because yeah, it, it was it was really funny. I could just distinctly remember. Dan Aykroyd dresses a full-on leather daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Um, but you got to remember, she's playing Betty in this, a character yep. that Hanna Barbera essentially treated as an afterthought, just as that Wilma had somebody to talk to during the cartoon. Correct, right? Correct, and she's the one that you'll remember coming out of that movie because yeah. uh, Wilma was, was Wilma, and Betty Rubble is even as a cartoon character they. In uh, so I married an axe murderer. I mean, she's name dropped. Like she was, she was the one that people, you know, who are you? Are you a Wilma or a Betty guy? Most guys kind of fell on the the Betty side, in my opinion, from what I've experienced. So, no, I'm with Heather's you. Just there. like I have yeah. nothing to say about that. <laughs> no, she wore the pants, you know, with Barney kind mm-hmm. of, and uh, and later the bondage gear, I guess. But she did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she was the she was better character in the movie than in the cartoon. Oh yeah, well, she more fully, you know. Fully fleshed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> more fully, a fully, fully realized, fully realized character. Yeah. Why? Why is there not a rim shot here? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can see the benefits, but as far as the Betty character goes, I know we're not at the Viva Rock Vegas. No, point we're not yet, at the Viva. But Jane Krakowski, man, I, 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 oh. I feel like oh, as far as the Betty character goes, I feel like she embodied it a little more. But that could also be because of different casting across the board in the film. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're only as good as you know. Right. I can't say you're as good as your co-stars, but your chemistry and who you're working with says a lot. There's a lot of movies out there that should have been really, really good, and the two people on camera. Uh, what comes to mind is like Father's Day, uh, Robert uh, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. I mean, these two mm-hmm. people are you know icons. In, in that industry and that movie is just like meh whatever there's this not a lot of there wasn't a lot of on-screen chemistry for those two um so if Grant Kikowski playing um Betty Rubble in the sequel oh yeah I mean t- talk about taking that and just taking it to a whole other level on top right. of what Rosie the seeds that Rosie O'Donnell said and that's funny that you mentioned that because I remember reading that she signed she didn't sign off on it but she, you know she she contacted Rosie and said they want me to play Betty Rubble what you think it's like oh yeah go for it do it I mean I can't think of anybody better who could do that. And she totally plays that character very, very well in the sequel. So you're smiling, Heather, because you need to go see this movie now. <laughs> I, do. I was like, if anything, I have mm-hmm. gotten a new movie I need to watch. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Viva the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exit to Eden and Viva Rock Vegas. Uh, really good stuff. Booked. <laughs> I do have to wonder, though, and again, you know, we're maybe a little off track. But nope. I have to, considering that it was Jane Krakowski playing that character. And seeing her in other things, does she always have like a writer in her contract? I feel like, like when they were singing the song "Viva Las Vegas," mm-hmm. was that her singing? Do you know? I don't know. We'll look it up. It could know, be. Yeah, we can look it up. I, I, I remember, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the song, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, did she really get them to let her sing and act in the film? Because it sounds, it sounds like her. Well, I know that so. Anne Margaret actually did the singing. Oh, did she? She did. Oh, really? She did. Yeah, she did come back to sing "Viva Rock Vegas" for this the 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 theme song to the second movie. From the mm. dead, or no? She was still laughing. <laughs> okay. This was in uh, "Viva Rock Vegas" came out in two thousand. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, the first one. Let's go back to the first one real quick. Uh, Ninety four, three hundred and forty two million dollars it made in nineteen ninety four money, wow. which depending <laughs> on what you read is like. Billions and billions of dollars, right? <laughs> Depending, on... it's Avengers money. It is, it, yeah, it is. It is Avengers money, uh, and it only. Well, the funny part is, is that it only cost. Now, granted, this is uh, ninety-four money. Only forty-six million dollars to make. Wow. And so, I mean, is that pushing close to a hundred million? 
in 94 money i i, I don't know the, the 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 ratio but i i wouldn't imagine that that would be even by 94 standards how a safe bet in modern worth. times is if you're going back a decade you double so if it's you know okay so you're saying this movie would have cost 150 million dollars to make now? About yeah, I think especially given the the stars that they had at the time and yeah, what they could sense. negotiate with that. Point that makes that sense. Stuff. Um, but I mean, you're also talking about materials. I mean, everything in this movie there was no CGI. No, there wasn't. So uh, there, there there was, was a, a little. little there was a oh, tiny well, bit, uh, and that's uh, that's actually funny that you you mentioned that. There was a very little, very small amount of CGI in this movie. But for the most part, yeah, it was all uh, just. Real life effects. They filmed it mm -hmm. in a quarry in California, in Utah, and everything else had to be made. Uh, the at the time, the critics, you know, it made it was considered a box box office success. Um, the critics hated it. It has a twenty two percent Rotten Tomato score right now. Um, and this critics, was before Rotten Tomatoes was a thing. Exactly. They yeah. it was so bad they went back in time. <laughs> <laughs> no, from from the the as of now, it's got about a twenty two percent rating on it. And that's exactly what they said even back then with uh, uh, Ebert and Siskel that it looks great. The movie looks amazing. And if you've seen it, you know that, yeah, all those sets look freaking amazing. The car, it runs like you would imagine it would have ran in real life. The the, the, the mechanics of that world, uh, animal animal uh, garbage disposal, sinks. Um, the shower. The shower, yeah. The, yeah. the, 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 the Mastodon dicta shower. Bird. The yeah. Dictabird. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. Dictabird. Roger Corman was the yeah. Dictabird. Oh if, if you pay attention, like I love the Dictabird especially. You know, what I mean, and I get that it's a Jim Henson mm -hmm. puppet, so of course they pay attention to detail. But if you look at the whole prop, mm -hmm. like the stand, it has the stop, play, record buttons. Uh -huh. But then if you look underneath, there are sticks that come up. There are three sticks underneath the bird. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pick up on that as a kid, but watching as an adult, I'm like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, that actually could work. Yep. Depending upon which button you hit, which stick goes up, and the bird's like, oh, I got poked in the left side, so this I is what I've got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, little things like throughout the whole movie are that way. It's fantastic. Um, they're, when they're taking the aptitude test uh, to see who could be the next, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, who could work, yeah. work inside, you know, to be one of the executives. Um, when he's re erasing his test, he takes the shavings and shoves it back into the right. into the test. Like, right. That's that's hilarious. The number that's two so chisel. The yeah. number two chisel. Yeah. yeah, those little things. His watch is a sundial, and yeah. it's legit. You could see that it's his watch is a sundial. It's fantastic. Um, the lawnmower is a lobster. Um, the, the sundial watch thing bothers me though, because depending on where you're standing. I mean, it would work if you oriented it the right way, but <laughs> if <laughs> I know. even for this show, yeah, I that's I mean, right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like what time is it? Hold on, I have to hold face on, the hill. I have to go outside. Yeah. It's dark, so uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's always work time when you're inside. But yeah. which, compared to this cartoon, knows what they had. They had sundial watches. Yeah. Um, the the television um, is a piece of crystal. That you can't really see through is really clear. There, there's actually a really when I when I was watching it the other day, you know, that throughout the movie they have uh, they tell the story through newspaper, um, uh, when they deliver the newspaper, which are just big huge slabs. At one point, um, for one, the pictures of Fred Flintstone is the cartoon. It's Fred the cartoon Flintstone Fred. Is the cartoon Fred? And one, I, I swear to that one of the uh, um, one of the the the, the articles the headline is talking about peace in the middle east that they're work they're trying to achieve oh, no. that like oh, wow the more things change you <laughs> yeah. know right. yeah. like, this is a weird thing to, to call out of all the different like stone puns and caveman things like, they went with uh they're trying to achieve peace in the middle wow. east <laughs> we're in the middle east like but yeah that's, that was yeah the, the the little details yeah. in that movie are fantastic wow. and i think that's just what makes it great so uh 20 so yeah, it made so much money. It was a critical uh, success. It's not critical, but financial success. Um, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, you mentioned earlier, was the bad guy. Uh, what was his name? Kyle. Uh, um, Vandercave. Cliff Vandercave. Cliff Vandercave. Yeah, played by Kyle MacLachlan. And I was trying to figure out why he was in there, and then I realized how lantern jawed that boy is. Holy he's, smokes, he's, he's angular. Chiseled, huh? He is angular. <laughs> and then Halle Berry playing Miss Sharon Stone, which in 94 was the most funniest, <laughs> clever thing because Sharon Stone was still new. Halle Berry was still new. Right. In fact, Sharon Stone was what they wanted her to play Sharon Stone in her movie, but she couldn't 
for some reason she was too busy doing other things. Cocaine <laughs> to, to play <laughs> to, play, to play herself in a Flintstones movie. So they got Halle Berry, which was one of her first big breakout roles. And then Elizabeth Taylor, uh, the legend. This was her final, final movie she was no. ever in. Was what? Yep. No she way. played Pearl Slagopal, uh, Wilma's mom. <laughs> yep. Wow. Who? Who? I, I I was just taken aback how how great she played that role. Uh, watching it the other day, she comes in and just for once she just browbeats the hell out of Fred until he becomes a successful businessman, and then he basically just tells his friend to go f himself. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's right? so good. It's so good. My Freddie doesn't want that tacky thing. <laughs> Barney spends every dime he has on a monogram briefcase for Fred. <laughs> his mother-in-law just comes and just tells him to go, oh man, it's so funny. And But as a 14-year-old kid, you might not pick up on how kind of funny that is and how well she delivers those. Again, fully invested in this ridiculous concept and just owning it, you know? And, yeah. and you know, unfortunately she, she wasn't with us much longer after that. So um, Joan Collins took over the role in the sequel. Um, playing, you know, obviously a notably younger, a Pearl Slag Oople. But yeah, this was my first exposure to most of these people, like I said. And so it's funny how it colored my perception of them down the road. Like I just thought Elizabeth Taylor was evil. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, until I saw her and other things. And I was like, Why? oh, she was like a leading lady. I thought she was just this evil lady for you know all the i think time. her yeah. seven or eight husbands <laughs> yeah. she had i think would say like you know maybe you were onto yeah, something maybe, there it's perfect but yeah <laughs> i'm with heather on that like after the flintstones i couldn't watch anything john goodman was in for yeah. the longest time because yeah. i just kept on saying he was fred that's all they i knew on that. Mm-hmm. it was it was yeah. it, it was wasn't until treme until oh brother we're out there really kind of got him out of that but um well, to me, I, I grew up, you know, being 14 years old, so I knew him from the Roseanne. I knew him from some of the other movies, but he still just perfectly encapsulated that that role. And Rick Moranis, uh, again, was was a really good Barney. I mean, we don't really talk enough about Rick Moranis. How, for me personally, growing up, how influential he was in me and the way I, I looked at things, the way I thought was funny, um, because he was everywhere. And of all, you think about it, like of all the people in this movie. The short, goofy-looking guy is the one that was arguably the most successful in that time period, movie-wise. I mean, right. uh, John Goodman had his—he uh, had—he was in Arach- he was in Arachnophobia, which was good. He was in Matinee, which, you know, blink if you missed it type of movie. But I mean, Rick Moranis could do no wrong as far as any movie he was in. It was still successful. It was still. And maybe that was just marking my age, but all those movies, you know, anyone from from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to Honey, I Blew Up the Baby to this, Little Giants, uh, Ghostbusters, the goofiest looking dude was the most successful. But he's still a lot of movies where he's having to look up. Well, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. When your analog is um, Danny DeVito, I think that's just kind of how your life is. (laughs) To be fair, though, I mean, he did do Parenthood. He and did. Yeah. He did spend a lot of time looking down in that That's film true. with the children, and he That's still true. got his ass kicked. So. He did. <laughs> I mean, he did. I think I, I have to applaud him for for making the family decision to to bounce out uh, when he did. Uh, the 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 cool. the the asshole cynical part of myself is like, okay, those kids are adults now. Come back to us. It's our Aww, turn. You know, we've been yeah. we've waited long <laughs> enough. Sure yeah, he, he he leaves movies to go take care of his kids after his wife gets cancer and passes away. God bless him for that. But now it's our turn. You know, yeah. we, we need you back. You know? We got another Ghostbusters yeah. movie coming. Exactly. Rick, come on. We need, we need to get you in there. He's going to start a podcast. It's <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you know, being on the Goldbergs is not good enough for us. You guys, he was on that this past season. Yeah. Was he? He was on the Goldbergs, oh. but he was he was dressed as um, uh, Lord Helmet or Darth Helmet or whatever from right. Dark Helmet from oh, Spaceballs. Yeah. He never once opened it up. So I don't even know if he was even him in the costume. I think that's even hilarious. Like, I'm not going to do any movies. I'm not going to be in any shows. But I'll be on the Goldbergs, and I'm going to be in this ridiculous Spaceballs outfit. Yep. And this giant helmet that's (laughs) – but not even – oh, nothing. Got to renew the SAG insurance. (laughs) Yeah, he totally (laughs) had to renew the SAG insurance. (laughs) So, so, you know, the Flintstones won. Big, huge shit. I loved it. I was 14 years old. Um the, the merchandise to this movie, they spent almost as much on merchandising as they did <laughs> making the film. There was a huge uh, promotional tie-in with McDonald's. 
if any thrift store you go in today, you could still find those old uh, Flintstones McDonald's glasses. Did you guys ever see any of those when you were growing up? I don't think I did. And oh it's my weird because when I was a kid, like the kid that lived across the street from me, his mother worked for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So he had all the toys. Nice. Like all of them. And I <laughs> like I don't honestly ever remember any Flintstones toys from the movie. Yeah. They did make some. And the, the biggest ones were the McDonald's toys. They had McDonald's toys and they had these glasses. And they were molded to look like a like a mastodon horn or something that a, a Flintstone uh, or a caveman would drink out of. And yeah, we had the whole set and we had those in my house for years and years and years, these glasses. You can still run across them every once in a great while. Hmm. Um, the Flintstones McDonald's glasses. I had the uh, the the Fred Flintstone car that they yes. went, put out for the movie. Right on. It was made by the same exact, I can't remember if it was Mattel or Hasbro, but it was made by the same folks that made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. van that shot the pizza disc. Nice. So, so it was nice. the same build quality. It was, it was great. And they had the, the little Dino that you could like get through to pop through the thing. And <clears throat> I'll uh, challenge you to uh, later, or if you want to, uh, during the break, if you want to look at the pictures of the toys for this movie, because they're very, in a way, they're kind of off-putting. Because there's still toys, uh, you know, with the likenesses of the actors, with the dimensions of the cartoon. Weird. So they've got really big heads, really weird looking bodies. It's a little bit of off-putting. Um, but again, that was that was what they hit. I, I can remember Rick Moranis was doing a, an interview about this. And he said the best part about uh, with you know, his kids that, you know, that he ended up leaving the movies for. Um, said that you know one day a giant box showed up at the house and it was all the promotional toys for the movie and his, that's what his kids loved more about it than actually watching the movie <laughs> was all these toys these really creepy off-putting action figures uh what, what's funny too is that rick moranis was actually um when they were writing the movie and i think this is where unfortunately the movie kind of takes a misstep was that it was written uh by committee and upwards of 18 people had their hands in writing the script to this movie um, and if anybody has ever done any kind of creative writing or anything like that, that is the exact opposite of what you want uh, if you want to make a cohesive full story. Um, stories by committee only work well if your name is Pixar. They don't really work well in any sort of uh, in, in a lot of these different situations. Uh, Rick Moranis was actually involved in that a little bit. Like he spent some time with the writers and things like that. And, um, when you watch it and, and you know, we're supposed to be positive about this movie because I can't say enough good things about it, but that is one of the things that um, really stands out to me was how disjointed the story really is. There's a lot of elements in there that yes, uh, 13, 14, you know, little tiny kids are not going to get, you know, the, the main plot of the movie is an evil executive embezzling from his company and finding a stooge to take the fall for that. Which in and itself sounds funny, but the, the mechanics of making that work is kind of, you know, that's that's going to go over a lot of kids' heads. You know, they want him to get hit with hit with a club and get dragged around and get smacked around. That's what they want from their cartoon characters. Right. Nowhere in the cartoon. I mean, that was it was in the cartoon, but if you really think about it, you know, walking in that movie, you wanted slapsticky, you wanted something crazy, and you got that, but then you also had to sit through, you know, them pouring over, you know. Fred literally is sitting there signing uh, documents that are ultimately, you know, blaming him for embezzling all these monies. To this day, I still can't figure out what he's talking about. We're going to build phony companies and keep the money yourself. I'm 39 years old. I work for the the largest company in the world, and I still don't quite understand what they're what 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 they were doing. But again, I'm not. If these companies <laughs> don't exist, where's the money coming from? Exactly. Kind of like I'm not. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Who yeah. Are they yeah. Taking money from? Yeah. Well, I can put you into biz orgs. We can go over to Concordia Law real quick. Well, yes, that would be wonderful. Let's do that. I'll I'll agree with you. I think that it's. You don't pick up on a lot of those adult tones. I mean, you deal with yeah the embezzlement, the seduction mm. with Holly Berry's yep. character. You've got Absolutely. the. Um, you know, the unemployment when uh-huh. the Rubble family, you know, ultimately, you know, Barney gets fired and then their homelessness situation. It's mm-hmm. that's a lot of heavy stuff to deal with. And there I is. think when you take that and then you combine it with the fact that, yes, this script was written by committee. So you've got that fighting with them trying to, like, cram in every bit of Flintstones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, they did this in the cartoon. We're going to do this in the movie. And they just kind of butt heads sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, that Maybe that's why the critics had such a hard time with it is because they were just judging it on story 
Whereas a lot of the people that went to see it were families taking their kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, oh, it's a Flintstones. This is great. Look, there's Dino. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the pig. He's a garbage disposal and he ate the watch. It's, yep. it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, But to get to those moments, you have to go through these really dark things yeah. that, you know, and almost like, like you said, the rebels dealing with homelessness. Um, you know, sometimes you want to go to a movie and you don't want, you, you want some brevity. You want some, some happiness. You want these characters that you've loved so much. You, know, you have to have some sort of conflict, but uh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. I think that there, there was just too many dark elements into it. Um, I think there's uh, a reason for that, especially in the mid-90s, where you had this, where you know, we're first starting with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff, and then we're getting into the Flintstones, where you're having the, chil- the childhood things come up. It's Now it was Dad's cartoon, now it's the kid's cartoon, and mm-hmm. now they made a live-action movie. Let's go do it. And then they, the studios had this idea, where, well, if we're, it's the, the dads are coming, we got to make something for them. Right? Correct. So we have the Halle Berry um, mm-hmm. love interest. We have the the deep-seated, you know, coming right out of the 80s stock market situation. Now we have, you know, public True. embezzlement and stuff like that. And then thankfully, we actually saw a little bit of a return against that uh, coming out of the late 90s going to 2000s. And then you notice it's back today just with better writers because now we have, <laughs> like, the, the Lego movie where mm-hmm. we have all these great one-liners and stuff that are meant for adults go right over the kids' heads. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, they're funny. They're not adult for adult's sake. They're, they're mm-hmm. adult in that, mm-hmm. like, uh, in the... Uh, the cat in the hat movie when he steps Ooh. on the hoe and calls it a dirty hoe. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really quick adult one liner goes right over the kids' heads and mm-hmm. you can carry on. And you know, dad's sitting there, mm-hmm. shakes his head, wakes up, starts realizing there's a movie going on again. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a huge difference from like a dirty, uh, dirty hoe pun to to Halle Berry cat- wearing almost nothing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. or, or you know, the cat in the hat has feline leukemia and he has to get <laughs> oh, his yeah. medicine. Like that's the oh, tone that they would have taken. If that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what, what you're saying. Um, so you know. You, so you have all these elements that were really, really dark. And I think ultimately that was what the, the movie came down to. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get, to, uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to lead into the sequel, Viva Rock Vegas. We'll be right back. All right. So uh, coming back, uh, so we're talking about the first Flintstones is being really dark, but it's still really funny. And it still has a lot of its really good moments. Uh, I love the fact that the, just to call back real quick, when he throws the, the newspaper, uh, on the uh, stoop and it just shatters because it's just a piece of rock. I don't. I think that's really funny to me. Um, I don't know why that jumped into my head, but it did, and it made me <laughs> well, laugh because I'm a simpleton. But so, it's, it's those good gags. I mean, like they did another one in the first film where they threw the newspaper and it hits the lawn and then it sinks into the grass. So yep. And my kids are sitting there, you mm-hmm. know, I'm watching this one, and they're like, "Well, why did it sink?" And I'm like, "It's stone. It's, it's heavy. a huge, it's heavy. heavy stone. Why do I have to yep. explain this to you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those are the few moments too where those those visual sight gags. Uh, really started resonating with me. They went to Jurassic Park. Is the little right? is the little park there in the yeah, middle of the town? Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's really funny. Um, so we're gonna, so that was the first movie, uh, the Flintstones. Really dark overtones, but still really funny. It's still really good. Holds up today if you watch it. It's really great. Now the second one, Flintstones Two, uh, Viva Rock Vegas, which I'm sold. You tell me that the movie's Viva Rock Vegas, sold, absolutely sold. Came out in two th- uh, the year two thousand. Uh, very much um, disappointment uh, in the movie. It was many, many, many years later, too later, to the point where obviously none of the cast members come back. They actually had to turn it into a prequel, uh, and, and rightfully so. I don't think that, that if you're going to make a, a relatively smaller budget um, movie, although they, they marketed it as a really big movie. They spent a lot of money on it. Um, it takes place um, with Fred and, uh, Fred and Barney, uh, recently graduating from Bron- Broncos, uh, Bronco Crane Operating School, <laughs> uh, moving out on their own, two single guys sharing an apartment and how they how they navigate their world, um, and, and how the 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 rebels and the Flintstones came to be as as how you know it. Um, really great casting of its time. Um, that way too. It's uh, it was in Mark eighty played fred flintstone who uh if you don't know who that is was um he, he's he's actually a british actor uh he was in um he's in game of thrones isn't he mark he, he might be i mean if you yeah look that uh, look that up uh, there's the only british person that isn't right? pretty much yeah. yeah uh yeah yeah you're a british actor and we can't get you into harry potter or game of thrones i think you're <laughs> you just give it up at that point he's uh, holding out to be the next james bond <laughs> yeah, he's Robert Baratheon. In is he Robert Baratheon? Okay, yeah. so he is in Game of Thrones. Okay, yeah. so Robert Baratheon. Um, I know he was in um, 
A Knight's Tale, uh, which was an amazing, yeah. amazing movie. Um, the Full Monty. Yeah, The Full Monty, for sure. Um, a, a lot of those movies. So late 2000s, uh, excuse me, early, two, year 2000, you know, perfectly cast. Uh, he's got the look. He does look like a young, uh, younger version of what a real-life car. Like, he doesn't look like a young John Goodman, but he looks like a young Fred Flintstone in his own right. I think he does some really great work as that character do kind of makes it a little bit um, his own as well. He's not just doing John Goodman's. He's not doing, it's really good. Um, the uh, Wilma Flintstone was, I want to say her name was Kristen Johnson. Kristen Johnson. Yes. From third rock from the sun. Uh, she was in third rock from the sun and she was also in one of the Austin powers movies. I, she was a Vonnell on a top from Austin oh, powers yeah. movie. Um, <laughs> And who the, who I thought at the time was destined for great things that has not been in as much things since then either. But yeah, Third Rock from the Sun is where you would remember some. And then you talked about Jane Kraskowski as mm-hmm. as uh, by far the the, the, stand, the standout for sure out of those four. And then it's a Baldwin, and I want to say it is <laughs> which Baldwin brother was Barney it's, Rubble? It's the least to... popular Baldwin. Yeah, brother. guess I don't want to tell you. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's Stephen. Uh, it, it is Stephen. Yeah. It is yep. Stephen Baldwin. Yep. <laughs> Yep, Stephen Baldwin, who is noticeably taller, if noticeably not as taller than Fred, Fred Flintstone, yeah. but still looks the part and plays it perfectly, as making it his own. He's not doing he's not doing a a, a Rick Moranis type of thing. He he is making the role his own. He doesn't look it, body wise, but you know you can't say well, you know. You, you have to address the fact that yeah, neither did Rosie O'Donnell, but she still played the role well. So right. yeah, I have I give the to Stephen Baldwin playing this movie. Man, what happened to that guy? <laughs> like, he went nuts at this he, point. <laughs> so he like came in hot off of Biodome. Yeah, he, yeah, and then, he had that Biodome credentials, yeah, and, and then, then he slid into it, to Viva Rock Vegas, yeah. and there was like nothing for another nope. six or seven years. That was it. Nope. And then nope. he just picked up like I, he waited a long time, I think, and before he started doing films again. But yeah, I mean, especially being a Baldwin brother, mm-hmm. his his uh, his list of credits is pretty slim. But I'd say mm-hmm. in the last you know ten years, he's probably done four or five films. Well, he's a big he's the he's the he's the MAGA, isn't he the MAGA Baldwin brother now? Mm-hmm. That uh, is he? I believe so. One of them calls uh uh huh big time. big time. Yeah, doesn't he call him King? I think I think he swear he calls him King on his Twitter. <clears throat> Really? Uh, yeah, which we're veering this way back into what I want to talk about because I do not want to go down this road. So yeah, let's go back to 2000 when it's similar times when things were fun. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so they, those, those are your, 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 fa- your four main casts. And then they CGI'd, um, what is this fellow's name? Uh, the Great Gazoo. They actually yeah, brought yeah, The yeah. Great Gazoo into this uh, movie. Played by um, Alan, uh, Alan, Cumming, Alan Cummings, Alan Cummings, which who uh, had two roles in the film. Actually. He did, he did. Yeah. He had two really great roles in that movie, and I think that uh, Gazoo was awesome. Uh, to to uh, it, it looks great. I mean, it totally looks like what that character would look like. I honestly think that the the layperson who knows who the Flintstones are, you would have had to really been into the Flintstones to really remember a lot about the Great Gazoo. He's almost like Scrappy Doo in in terms of. Yeah, he was a character on the show, but he was a late entrance yeah, into that in series. I mean, this series. is a Cousin Oliver character that they made a focal point of the movie of sorts. Uh, the, the the premise of the movie, you haven't seen it, because not a lot of people have, including one of our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Fred and Barney are, are young guys. Uh, they, they stumble into a, um, a, a Burger King restaurant one evening. And they run across Betty Rubble, who, through a side plot, um, did I say Betty? Oh, Betty Betty O'Shale is her Betty maiden. O'Shale. Betty O'Shale is her is her maiden name. And with her story is that she was uh, 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 Wilma Slagubel is actually a rich debutante, and yeah, she's a rich debutante, and she uh, is tired of the rich uh, crow magnon wasp life, and runs away because she was kind of. Uh, set up to marry uh the guy from dharma and greg that played uh chip chip rockefeller and his name is the dude from they kicked off of of of, um they kicked him off of criminal minds uh for being a dick uh anyway i don't watch criminal 
Yeah, neither do. <laughs> uh, so who who was that? Thomas Gibson. Thomas Gibson. Yep, Thomas Gibson. Uh, it was Greg from Darman Greg, and then uh, so uh, he's um, tapped to like an almost an arranged marriage. So she runs away, and uh, Betty O'Shale finds her and assumes that she's homeless. So she lets her stay at her her apartment. Um, and the gag is, is like, you live in an apartment? It's like, yeah, I live in an apartment. I've never been in an apartment before. So, so poor Jane Krasowski, Betty O'Shale thinks that when, Wilma Slagoople's a homeless person that's right. living on the streets yeah. her whole life. So he takes her in and gets her gets her a job at the Burger King, which is actually Bronto King is what I think they call in the movie. Um, and that's when they run into, you know, she's, she's working her shift poorly. A uh, really good scene in that movie with uh, – uh, uh, roller skates, uh, stone roller skates, which actually looked really good. You can't even tell that they're roller skates. They, they did a really good job uh, with that. And that's when they run into uh, the uh, Fred and Barney. And they decide, you know, they, they meet and there's some courting going on and they decide to go on a date. And Fred Flintstones goes, uh, his date is Betty O'Shale. And for a pity's sake, they set up Barney and Wilma Slagoobal, which thinking about that in looking back it's just so funny to me i'm smiling because i think that's just so funny that that's what they went to so they go to a little cute little uh uh carnival uh they play a little game they win um dino is actually one of those like um carnival goldfish yeah he's like a goldfish in a bowl he yeah. is yeah he's Freddy, he's Dino. Like, well they never really live that long anyway. exactly they never live longer yeah. than a week <laughs> and it's dino um and then the movie is 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 them growing up uh um, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag that Wilma's actually rich, uh, that, uh, uh, Chip Rockefeller comes back into the scene and they run off to Las Vegas. And I mean, there's a whole scene with like miss, uh, misplaced diamonds and, uh, Alan Cumming plays his brilliant, um, second character as, um, he plays, uh. It's for the Who, and it is it's Mick, Mick Jaggett. Yeah, Jaggett. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mick yeah. Jaggett, and he's got the Flintstone or the yeah the the, the Hanna Barbera Flintstones outfit, but it's the Union Jack, big furry costume, uh, and it's it's great fun. It, it, it's I, I I honestly think that the 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 lightheartedness of the second one I think is what the first one needed. I think that yeah the the plot of uh, of um a, a clear cut like a. Uh, a a, a comically villainous person like yeah uh cliff vanderclave in the first one i mean yeah he's an evil but he's you know a white collar evil guy as opposed to the uh chip rockefeller from the second movie it's just like oh he's dastardly like yeah, he's really really you know exactly what he's doing you know he he um he, he takes a diamond that was being put in the safe wilma's uh, wilma's pearls mm, yeah he puts them in the hotel safe that he owns that they're all staying at, and he plants them on Fred and sets him up as this this pearl thief. Um, these little fun subplots that are just so much fun. It's just so uh, uh, so great. And like I said, the uh, Anne Margaret sings "Viva Rock Vegas," um, as opposed to in the first one they had the BC fifty twos playing the Twitch. <laughs> Yeah, they, the they, best they part of the movie really that mm-hmm. song <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I remember. I mean, the first film. It just had star power. Like it yeah. had, it had all of these big names. It had the B fifty twos doing the entire soundtrack basically. Yep. And then you get to the second film. Okay, you know the stars are are there. Sure, mm-hmm. you know they're what yeah, they can afford. Sure. Uh-huh. But I think the second one, what it had over the first film, is the story was much stronger. Like I love the story of the it second is. film. I just think the performances weren't there. So mm-hmm. if we could have had the the story of the second one with the Cast performance of the, power of the first oh, film, oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The you, you want your Flintstones to be doing goofy Flintstoney things right. and being bogged down with with uh, money woes and being homeless and embezzling from your work and cheating on your wife in a way that's actually really borderline inappropriate, as right. opposed to like a, a teehee from the <clears throat> second one. I mean, how much fun was it? Like, yeah. These movies are already fun, but holy smokes. Yeah, I felt like the second film was just a really long Flintstones cartoon. Like, yeah. that's what I felt Way like the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's even brighter. It's more, you know, obviously they spent a lot less money on the sets. A lot of it's filmed indoors. Some of it's outdoors. Um, but ultimately, <clears throat> yeah, it, it is a lot more fun and a lot more more of what you would imagine 
of Flintstones would be because you know everybody knows who the Flintstones are. We mentioned this earlier that everybody knows who the Flintstones are. They the you you can't live in this country, you can't even live on this earth and not know who they are, know their how their characters interact with each other. But does anybody really has really sat down and you could buy the Flintstones on DVD like know the Flintstones canon like how. Who who really knows the Flintstones canon as far as oh no hey wait a second now this is you only know more or less and I from realistically like you love the characters but do you really know the history of 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 where they came from and the second one already answers a lot of those questions that you kind of right. had from the first one you know there was characters showing up from the cartoons but yeah, I don't really know I mean the 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 water buffalo like the woogie woogie woo yeah thing. <laughs> <laughs> Only somebody that has seen all these episodes knows exactly. Like, you know that he's you know, from a loyal, the, the, the loyal, the loyal order, order of water, the, buffalo. water buffalo. Yeah. But what that looks like, what that feels like is, unless you've seen, even watching the cartoon, like it's not really fleshed out as much. And so to, to see that play out, um, almost like, yeah, you should already know what this is. And and I think that that's where, uh, with Brian Levin, who directed that, they, they, uh, they wanted him directed because he was a huge Flintstones fan. He even did the second one, I believe. He actually uh, did the second one. And he was a huge, huge, huge Flintstones fan. And I think, unfortunately, that's a detriment. You don't want to be too invested in your material yeah, because then that's when it gets kind of... Um, now, there's a fine line there because if, you, if you're too invested in your material, you're too far in your head, you're going to throw everything that you love about it into it instead of right. taking a step back and like, okay, this is what... This is what makes this fun. This is what everybody knows. Me being a, an expert in the subject, I know all this stuff, but not the person. Now, of course, there's a fine line there because then you have J.J. Abrams who, like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> know what Star Trek is. I've seen it over there, so I'm gonna make a movie about it now. Right. As opposed, to, you know, which is almost makes for you know you can have a, a more clear show. You can establish your characters are and then go with a new story, or 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 a story that's not so beholden to these either a really dark themes or this really specific canon that not everybody would know about i know it's going to get kind of deep with flintstones but in a way i think that they, they kind of shot themselves a foot in a little bit you know trying to stay positive about this movie because i do love these movies a lot right i mean but, and it's you know it's not like he's a bad director i mean he, oh no he, like no. he did jingle all the way and that's still he one did. of my favorite films of all time <laughs> like i just love it is so <clears throat> ridiculous that film and i love mm-hmm. every moment of it i mm-hmm. mean but <clears throat> Yeah, it's if you're too close to it, I agree. Mm-hmm. You can you can get to that point of, oh, well, I got to put this in here, and we, we got to put this in here, and, and you mm-hmm. you might get to that. We're making a film for the fans, and it's like, no, maybe not. Yeah, maybe don't, don't do, do that. that don't make it for the fans, but also make it for people who never really you know know yeah. more than just the cursory of the Flintstones. Exactly. We don't so. we don't need that whole exposition bus Correct. to drive through half the film. Mm-hmm. To explain it to people that have yeah. never seen it, mm-hmm. just make it accessible mm-hmm. without all the nuances exactly people are shocked when they see old clips of the Flintstones smoking Philip Morris cigarettes <laughs> so like that yeah, tells you right now that ads. people knows you know people know who the Sims the Flintstones yeah. are but not to, to the level that 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 you know Mr. Levin should have done but there's yeah. still a fun so so much good stuff and the second one I really uh if you've not seen had the opportunity to check it out I really really uh uh, recommend it. it. It's a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of good stuff happening in that movie. Yeah, they start you off right too. I mean, right from the the get go. Sure, you've got the Great Gazoo, which is, again, like we you know we talked about character later in the series. Uh huh. Which interestingly enough comes in in the film earlier in the the Flintstones' lives. But yep. they start you right off with mispronouncing his name, like his own people. <laughs> yep. Are calling him Kazoo, and he's like, no, it's the Great Gazoo. Ooh. It's like first five minutes of the film, yep. and you're getting into this thing that is this this running gag throughout the mm-hmm. Flintstones cartoon. Mm-hmm. I wish I do wish that 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 Gazoo would have been a bigger character in the film. It's it's weird yeah. that he like just disappears randomly. He is, yeah, he is an observer of the story. Yeah, which is it, kind of fun, but he's also like it's unnecessary, but it's cool that he's in it. Yeah. Like it, 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 the way they did it, especially with the the technology they had in 2000, even still being able to use that technology in that lower budget of a film. Because um, even too, you know they were making the Matrix and they were making movies back then, but that's still a lot of money to invest on something. Of course, they actually thought this was going to be a big hit. They really, really did. They spent a lot of money on advertising on that one as well. Um, but unfortunately, they it just was a whole show. Uh, uh, yeah, they did a yeah. whole yeah. Universal yeah. Studios yeah. show. And <laughs> mind you, this really is convinced me to see it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and considering that this is a, a place that they still have backdraft shows, yeah. So, yep. <laughs> 
uh, they really hold on to what they really love what they love. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a lot more lighthearted. It's a lot more fun. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the CGI fun fact, and then we're gonna we're gonna get it wrap, wrapped up for the day. But uh, you mentioned the CGI, and they're right. There's very 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 little CGI in the first movie, although that movie uh, is the very first record. Well, obviously the, the the very first time there was a, a, a CGI rendered character completely covered in fur. And it was that movie, and it was the Flintstones cat that oh, people <laughs> yeah. always forget that they also had a giant saber tooth cat uh, at the very end of the movie. You know, he's putting he puts the milk out, he dro- brings the cat out and drops it, goes back inside. Uh, the cat goes back in and throws Fred out and locks the door behind him because the cats are assholes. <laughs> and even <laughs> even sixty five million years ago, and that cat cost them an exorbitant amount of money to make this this uh, fur-covered cat that wouldn't really be done again until Monsters Incorporated four or five years later. No. Oh, three years uh, No, no, no. 94. I mean, that's 94. You're ten talking years. like 10, yeah, 10 11, 12 years later, they have Sully. So that's yeah. that, that was the first time that that... I don't know why that little piece of trivia always stuck out at me, but this little CGI cat. But yeah. So the Flintstones, the very first Flintstones movie, they have the... the they recreate the entire entry uh, intro. For the, yeah, the, for the movie, yep, where he slides down the dinosaur's tail. He goes and picks them up. They go to the drive-in with the big giant uh, ribs. Um, I, I do like the callback in the second one where he slides down the the Bronco cane, and it's just a, a it's actually a, a crane machine that's supposed to look like a dinosaur because <laughs> they wouldn't let him ride a real one <laughs> when you're still in training. I do have to ask though, like, because I remember I, I remember the intro for the cartoon very uh-huh. well. Was that cat ever actually in any episode of the Flintstones? I have no idea. Like, how, I don't what, yeah. what he's he's really not even in the movie. He's not like, oh, yeah. here's the cat. I don't even remember the cat's name. I know he's sure he has one, but it's I have really no idea. Weird that that's yeah. like a focal point. But I was telling my kids, you know, because they're laughing when he throws the cat out, uh-huh. and the cat goes in the window, and he's pounding. They're yep. laughing their butts off, and I'm thinking, I don't ever. Nope. In all of my childhood, remember <laughs> seeing that cat mm-hmm. in an actual cartoon, mm-hmm. other than the intro. It's like mm-hmm. the weirdest thing. They did bring another uh, unsung character that it's in the cartoon. I remember seeing it uh, in the in the Viva Rock Vegas when you're first introduced to Chip Rockefeller. He comes riding up on a kangaroo, kangaroo, a green yeah. kangaroo, and he's riding it yes. polo style. And again, 2000, he's boing 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 that steps off it's like yeah i've just been doing this and it's so seamless like, hey everybody what's going on he shows up to this garden party after yeah. reading his little polo kangaroo his little polo kangaroo off, yeah. which wasn't was it was was in the cartoon so all right we're gonna wrap this up i want to talk about some final thoughts for you guys and then we will say goodbye kenny what are your final thoughts on the flintstones movie if you had to to ps this as far as what it means to you and what you the the, the final fight scene in the first movie I I loved how they they choreographed the, the a specific part of it where Fred and Barney are trying to unlodge the lever because the pressure's too high. Uh-huh. And you know this is the, the the big stone lever they're trying to get it to come back, mm-hmm. trying to get it to come back, trying to get it to come back, yep. and then finally it just snaps off uh-huh. in Barney's hands. And I usually hold you know my belief of physics and everything else in these movies all the way back until. It was like obviously the prop failed or something at some point because it started to bend like rubber, <laughs> and then when it came thwapping back, it actually hit John Goodman in the face. If you really, really close, like it's just a hair's away. Oh, I know it. what I'm doing when I get home. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he, he goes lurching back. The look on his face is so genuine of like, oh, oh I. That, it was probably supposed to happen, but the timing was off or something. It just it stuck in my head so much. I'm definitely going to go check that out now. That little scene. Now mm-hmm. that you mentioned that scene, actually, that's one of the things I really appreciated from the first film was the physics of it because they're doing that whole thing with the catapult and the stones are going, uh-huh. and they go just this perfect amount to land on the conveyor, and Barney's like, I got it. I'm going to get on that thing. But then when he does, it throws him in the side of a mountain, and I'm thinking, that's genius because I know yeah, right? the change in weight would throw him further. And my kids are like, oh, that's funny. I'm like, do you know why it's funny? <laughs> It's science. science. Yeah, yeah. They they totally nailed the 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 miniature gag, decades before Zoolander did. Right. When they, he's got the 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 scale model on the desk. Like, you're gonna build houses this small. Who's gonna live in them? Yeah. Who's like, oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. Thanks, Derek Zoolander. <laughs> you're right. The 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 and and the, the undertones of 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 being afraid of automation too. It's like, oh, they're gonna build this thing and it's gonna be crap, and we're just gonna have to go back our jobs. Like that's. Yeah. 
and that's something that nowadays people wish could happen or they want to believe it could happen but it wouldn't but you know it's nice to think that you know what yeah these contraptions could break and we get to go back to work but sadly that's not the case talk to um uh, William Baldwin about that uh (laughs) Heather Harrington uh, the Flintstones, because yeah. it was a, a part of your life when you were a little kid. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess what I remember the most about it was the, like, the theme of like the truth will always come out. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth will. I mean, like that's not <clears throat> maybe true always in adult life now, but like <laughs> as a, you know, as a kid watching it, you're like, oh crap. Well, there's always a dick to bird listening or uh-huh. something. You know, <laughs> there's somebody that's gonna make everything come out right. So. You know, that was that was a good thing for me to hear as a exactly. kid, I guess. That you know, one addicted bird in your here. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a jerk embezzling from so if you're companies. Roger yeah. Corman, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Mr. Lamb, what are your kind of final thoughts here on the Flintstones movie? I think the Flintstones, honestly, it it's for me. It's a life lesson, and I'm glad I got to watch it mm-hmm. with my kids. It's not it's not even so much the film itself, but my experience with the films because mm-hmm. when I saw it, like I said, the Flintstones is one of two movies that I've seen in my entire life, and I have seen thousands and thousands yeah, of movies. Sure. But it's one of two movies that I just hate. But even going back and watching it now, as much as I remember hating that film and being disappointed by it, I can look at it and say, there's a lot of great things about this film. <laughs> there really are. And that's, I think, an important lesson. And I tell my kids this, too. I'm like, I hate this movie. It's terrible. But... Look at all these great mm-hmm. things. Like, I look at it and say, the sets were amazing. Mm-hmm. The props were amazing. The dedication, the character choices, these are all amazing things. And just because I had a bad experience with it as a kid, now that I see it as an adult, I think I can appreciate a lot of these mm-hmm. things. And it, you know, it makes me think that all of you people out there in Radioland <laughs> give things a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Because just because you had a bad experience with something in the past or you know you whatever it is look at it again and you might be surprised Mm -hmm. because that's what happened to me and even watching the second one you know it it, it just allows me to appreciate it Mm -hmm. absolutely um i don't want to get too uh too like emotional or or deep on this but for this movie you're right the the story is absolutely wrong for this for this genre is absolutely wrong um but you're right the, the sets look great the casting was perfect um, it was a really uh, a film for its time. And that's why for me, I love this movie is because it came out in 1994. Now, please, I don't want to be a downer, but I, I lost. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this. I lost my father in 93. When this movie came out less than a year later, me and my, uh, and my surviving family, we spent a lot of time looking, looking at movies, uh, watching movies, going to movies. That was our escapism. This movie hit at the right time, at the right moment for me personally, because it's, it's a Flintstones. It's something from not only from my childhood, but from my, my, my dad's childhood. It's something we all know. It's escapism. And, and, and so I can relate to like, I, I want to see some live action characters that I know and love. And, and that was for me, for, in, in my personal life, it was just a moment in time. I, I think back to that time in my life uh, with my surviving family members, and we just loved it. Uh, we, we we collected the cups. I had T-shirts with this with the with the picture post with the poster on my on my uh, that I had. Um, it was just good stuff. And like I said I don't want to end on this downer because I, I I'm I'm not going that direction at all. Um, it it, it, it was a, a memorable time and a happy time. And, and that and this movie takes me back to that because it is fun. There's some dark moments, but but it's just you you, you can't smile at at you're watching them driving their car with their feet. You know, he's doing his bo- his twinkle toes. The twinkle toes. toes. He's up on his yeah. toes, yeah. which he does in the second one as well. Mark Eddy does the exact same thing when they're playing bowling at a at a at a uh, at the fair. It's just a lot of fun. It's very it's very hopeful, and, and, and I love it. So I'm really glad you guys listened today. Uh, talk about this movie. I'm very thankful, Liam, Heather, Kenny, Brett, for you guys being on here to talk about this movie. I really appreciate. It. This was a personal one for me, and I'm really glad we were able to talk about it and have a lot of fun with it. Um, the Rick Moranis said that this movie was a sitcom on steroids uh, when he was talking about how the writing process was and it's exactly what they made but you know somebody loved this 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 material enough to make this movie and I and I think that you know we've got a nice little gift to watch so thank you again for being on and if you guys don't uh, 
Check out Flintstones and the Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas. If that title doesn't make you smile, then I am sorry. For all of us here at the Be Kind Rewind, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.